Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all today. As Pastor Brian said, my name is Justin. I get to serve on our ministry team here at Mount Hope. It's great to be with you today. Very special congratulations to Christina, to Alexis for that amazing step that they've taken in their faith today as well. As Pastor Brian said, today we're going to close out this sermon series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, that's okay. Uh, what we're doing and what we're talking through is finding God's will for our lives this year. That we truly believe that God designed us and created us with purpose and that each of us has a purpose that God desires for us to accomplish every day. And part of how we looked at this design and this purpose is by using this Venn diagram that we've been using over these last couple of weeks. We said that when you discover where your burden, your gifting, your opportunities, and, your, and where you hear God's voice, where they come together is this sweet spot, this place where God desires for you to step forward in faith. And so we said some of the ways that we can discover God's will is one we said that we can open up God's word to hear his voice. And we talked about the importance of the Bible when it comes to this quest to discover God's will for our lives. We said God's word is true. So as a result of that, we don't change the Bible to fit our lives. We allow our lives to be changed by the Bible is something that we said. We declared that to be true. Then we said that prayer should be a critical part of our lives and our faith. And so we declared this, that prayer is powerful and effective. Therefore, prayer is our first priority and never our last resort. We go to God in prayer to discover his will, to discover his voice more and more. And then last week, if you were with us, we said that another way of discovering God's purpose and his will, which is to live generous lives, we said like this, that out of God's generosity to us, we are generous to others. And so how we're going to make all of these things more and more a part of our lives so that we can discover God's will, that's how we've been looking at this throughout these past couple of weeks. Now this morning, we get to start looking at the last part of this, and that is serving God. And when it comes to this idea of serving God, and we look at that Venn diagram one more time, there's this big mistake that we can tend to make. Here's what that mistake sounds like and looks like. That discovering God's will is extremely hard to do. That God has this magical, mystical will that's out there for me. This one big event, one big program, one big accomplishment that he's put me on this earth for. And it's really hard to figure out. And it's really far into the future. It happens when my life is perfect, when everything is together just right, and then his will is accomplished. Then I will serve him. Then I will be compassionate to others. It feels like it's far away. It feels like it's hard to discover. It feels like it's something I just won't know until everything is perfect. In fact, this morning when you come here and someone stands up here and says to you, you should serve God. I'm guessing there's a lot of tension in your own heart when you hear that phrase. And there's all these things that you're probably thinking in your heart. You're probably saying some things like this. I've got needs of my own to take care of. I'm in no position to serve anyone else. I don't even know what I can offer to anyone else, let alone serve God. 
I don't know what others need, so how can I serve God? I don't know what that person needs or that person needs. How can I do this for someone? And some of us over time have grown cynical or probably even angry a little bit, and we start thinking things like, look, that person is who I'm supposed to serve. Why can't they just get their act together? If they just worked a little harder, if they just tried a little harder, they could figure it out. I don't need to serve that person. And of course, there's the common one. I'll serve right after I dot, dot, dot. I have something I need to first do before I can go and serve someone else, before I can actually help someone or do something about it. This morning, we're going to start to unpack some of this tension that exists between God's will for you to serve him and all the excuses and tensions that get in the way of us actually doing that. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you want to grab a Bible from the seat back in front of you, we'll be on page 814 this morning, but the verses will be up on the screen as well to guide us through this. We'll be in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, and I'll read that quickly, and we'll start to look at this a little more. Matthew 9, verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Can anyone, everyone just say compassion with me? He had on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you're like me, this idea of serving God, God's will for me to serve him, it can feel distant, it can feel difficult to discern, and it can feel like it's something I'll never fully grasp or understand. And serving God becomes this constant quest between intention and action. Intention to do something, but actually never actually doing it. I feel like my entire day is built around this tension between intention and action. I wake up every morning, take one look in the mirror and think, I should really go to a gym. In my case, I really should sign up for a gym first. But it's this intention overwhelms any action that I'll actually take that day. I'll walk outside of my house and still see the Christmas lights on the bushes. I addressed that two days ago, so don't worry about that. And there's this intention, I really should take those down. But there's very little action that comes with it. There's the light bulb that's been out for months. There's an intention to address it, but there's no action to go with the intention. It's a constant battle between intention and action. And when it comes to serving God, if we're honest with ourselves, this is what it looks like. It's a whole lot of intention with very little action. And why? For many of us, it's those excuses we saw a second ago, but for many of us, it's also this constant feeling, this notion that God's will, when it comes to serving him, is too hard to discern, is too distant in my future. It only comes to people who have their lives perfectly put together. Therefore, my intentions remain, but the actions are just not there. 
in the passage of Scripture we read this morning, we see a small glimpse of a day in the life of Jesus. That Jesus went into all the towns and villages, preaching the good news of the kingdom in all the synagogues that he stepped into. And he would look out among the crowds and he would be moved by compassion. And he would heal all their sicknesses and care for their diseases and all of their physical and spiritual and mental needs he would address and then move on to the next town or village. Now, if you were to ask yourself, what was Jesus' primary intention for being here? It was to go to the cross and die for your sins and my sins and save us from the power of sin. There was this big thing in front of him, this big grand finale, you can call it that, in front of him. But that didn't stop him every day from accomplishing God's will for his life by serving those around him. Serving those right within his vicinity. Loving people who are around him, even though there was a grander will and purpose down the road. There was this everyday notion that I will go into this world that I'm in. I will move among this world. I will see the needs of the people in the world around me. And I will touch them and I'll reach out for them and I'll care for them. Now, if I'm honest with myself, here's what typically happens with me when it comes to intention and action. I come here every Sunday. I fill up full of the good news of the gospel, hearing these amazing worship songs that are sung and played up here, hearing this great word of God that's delivered every morning, every Sunday morning. And then I go out into the world and just live to come back and do this all over again. Now, clearly, I've never run a marathon before. But one of the things that I always hear about marathon runners is that they load up on carbs right before they go and run. And it's almost like we come here every Sunday and just spiritually carb load. We're just coming here, filling up, and there's no outlet. There's no pouring out of what we receive because intention is so much greater than action can ever be. And so we live day by day loading up on these carbs and trying to figure out what is God calling me to do? What's this grand will and purpose? What's this design for me and my life? Jesus comes to this earth and every day lives out this cycle that you see. In fact, the book of Luke chapter 4, you'll see this a lot. A day in the life of Jesus is just moving inch by inch, foot by foot, mile by mile, preaching, teaching, healing, and, and caring for those around him over and over again. And he's accomplishing the purpose of his father by doing this. Now, we use this word in the verse we read this morning that Jesus, moved by compassion, did these things. I want us to understand that at the time Jesus is living on this earth, he is not in a world where compassion is normal. Now, we hear words like compassion in 2023 in Boston and Massachusetts, and we say, that's of course that's expected of people. Compassion is a normal thing. Compassion is a praiseworthy thing. It's good to be compassionate. But in the Roman Empire, especially in the place where we're talking about right now, compassion was not a normal occurrence. In fact, no Roman gods or goddesses were known for their compassion to humanity. If anything, it was flipped. There was no compassion to humanity. 
Roman philosophers used to constantly talk about how compassion was a vice, meaning it was a weakness of the weak soul. Compassion wasn't a good thing. It was constantly seen in the laws and the practices of that empire. I'm not sure if you know this, but there was a practice in ancient Rome where if you had a child that you did not want that child, you could not support that child anymore, you could leave the child out on the edge of a forest and let fate have its way. And it was not punishable by law because that was normal. It was only after Jesus comes to this earth and Christians start to think to themselves, wait a second, this is not right. And Christians would go and take the children from the edge of the forest and raise them as their own because they believed compassion was valuable and important. And it was Christians who ultimately changed those laws around that practice. Compassion wasn't normal. Compassion wasn't a regular ideal in the world at the time. And Jesus comes, and look what he does. He flips the script when it comes to compassion. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus flips the idea of who our neighbor is. He says, the Samaritan is your neighbor. He goes and sits by a well one day, and a woman brings her bucket to drop down into the well. He goes to this Samaritan, this outcast woman, this separated woman, and says, I will not only talk to you, Samaritan woman, I will drink from your Samaritan water, from your Samaritan bucket. I want to build relationship with you because you are my neighbor. He goes and he heals blind people, lepers. He touches lepers. I want you to think about this for a second, that these communicable diseases that were not allowed to go into the temple, he would go and touch them and show compassion upon them. He would love them beyond anything that was expected in that time that he was living in. But if nothing else, I want you to think about it this way. Jesus was God's compassion to you and me. That Jesus coming to this earth and taking your place and my place on a cross was God's compassion to you and me. God is compassionate and Jesus saves through that work of compassion that he does on the cross. In fact, there's this verse in the Old Testament where Moses asks God to reveal himself to him. And God uses this phrasing when he talks to Moses and he gives Moses his name. He says, my name is the Lord, Lord. And then he goes on to describe himself using his name. Do you know what the first word he uses? He says, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. It's the first word he uses to describe himself. God, full of compassion, loves you and me enough to send his son to die for us. That is compassion. And so when Jesus walks through his day, when he comes among us and lives among us and dwells among us, he lives and moves and dwells with compassion. So what does compassion look like in our world right now? There's a very famous comic from uh, many years ago, a very famous Peanuts comic. If, how many of you are familiar with Charlie Brown and Lucy and Snoopy? You might remember them. There's this very famous comic strip where, uh, an old version of it, where Snoopy is out in the cold. Uh, Snoopy is a little dog. And if we have that, we can probably even put it up on the screen right now. Snoopy is this little dog, 
And Charlie Brown and Linus walk up to Snoopy and say, Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? And they walk up to Snoopy. And Charlie Brown and, L L and Linus say, I'll say he does. Maybe we'd better go over and comfort him. And then they do. They exhibit compassion. Be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, be of good cheer. And then they walk away from Snoopy and he's still cold. This is compassion in our world today. I see it constantly with my colleagues. I see it with my students. We live in a thoughts world. My thoughts are with you type of world. It's constant. In fact, lately I've been noticing that many of my students and colleagues, when they are not wanting to say the word prayers, because I can't say prayer, when they don't want to say it, they'll say things like, oh, you're going through that difficulty? I'm sending you light, is what they now say. I don't know what that means. I'm sending you thoughts. I'm sending you light. I'm sending you, and here's another one, good vibes is what I'm sending you. In other words, I'm sending you nothing is what they're saying. I don't want to actually do anything, so I will send you fake stuff the entire time. And compassion today is this notion of if I say something, it's good enough. But watch what Jesus does. He does three things that I think we can quickly unpack and see what he does. Number one, Jesus moves. Compassion moves. Now, I want to break this out in a couple ways. Compassion physically moves. He moved from town to town. He interacted with different people. Compassion spiritually moved him to do something. And thirdly, compassion moved someone closer to God. Let me say that again. Compassion physically moved him into places where needs existed. Compassion moved his spirit to do something. And then compassion, when it was exerted, moved someone closer to God. This is the example of God's will for your life and my life in 2023. It's me being physically moved into locations where I have access. My job, my classroom, those friendships that I have, those numbers I have in my phone, the connections that I have, I am moved into those places. And then I watch as the Spirit of God moves me to listen to the needs of the people around me and then physically and spiritually move someone closer to God. Do you want to take a minute and stop and think for a second? Who did Jesus heal? Ten lepers were healed in one passage. Was a leper allowed to go and worship in the temple? No. He has a communicable disease. He is not allowed to worship in the temple. He is physically and spiritually unclean and unworthy to worship God. Even the lame man had to sit outside of the temple and beg for money because he was not allowed to worship God. Women, especially that woman with the issue of blood we hear about in John 4, she has a, a situation that separates her from worshiping God. What does Jesus do every time? He has compassion and he touches them and heals them and moves them into the place where they can worship God. He's moving them closer to God. And so when we look at compassion, number one, we're looking at the ability to move not only ourselves and to move our spirit and then move someone closer to God is what we're looking at. Some of you know this, uh, about a year and a half ago, one of my cousins who was battling depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder for many years, 
Uh, she took her own life about a year and a half ago. And as a family, we've been battling this and struggling with this and dealing with the pain of this for a long time now. Along the way, part of what happened was I discovered that many of my other cousins are also struggling through the same issues. And so I regularly will speak to them and talk to them. And last night I was talking to one of my cousins who very seriously battles some issues with depression and mental illness. And last night she was telling me that when she battles mental illness the most is when she has compassion on other people. And so she says things like, you know what I've been doing lately, and she's been doing this for years, is she cooks for people. She'll cook meals and prepare meals for women, especially women going through very difficult circumstances. She'll love them and cook meals for them and prepare meals for their children for the week. And then she'll go and witness to them and serve them and love them. She'll put together these care packages for women in very specific situations and love on them with these care packages. And here's what she keeps telling me. She says, look, because of the illness I struggle with, I have an ability to be compassionate to other women. And because of that, God has put me in a unique position to serve them and love them. And I marveled at what she was saying last night because she said, I do this and I do this and I know it's a healing thing for me too, but here's what I see. It moves them one step closer to God every time I do it. Every package I drop off moves them one inch closer to God. And I think for so many of us, here's what we do. We move through the world, but we're not actually moved by what we see in the world. And as a result, we're not moving anyone closer to God. And Jesus just kept doing that. He kept moving people closer to God. I think about our children's ministry volunteers, those names you saw a second ago. They are moved by compassion for the children of this church. And so they are moving them one step closer to the Lord. And that's an important part of the will of God in our lives. The danger is when we see it as this far off thing, we'll miss what's happening every day as we move through the world. So compassion moves. But do you notice Jesus says something else? He says he saw the crowds because compassion sees. Compassion sees. The only way that we can understand how to serve God is to start to notice what we notice. Right now, if you were to enter into our car, there's a nice big light that says, check engine. But our car also has a feature where you can push a button and make that go away. In fact, most of the stuff that happens to any car, because I know nothing about cars, I do this thing. If I ignore it long enough, it'll go in fact, I, just the other week, and this is going to be embarrassing, but might as well say it from here. I was driving in our car the other day, and I was pulling down the driveway, and I noticed, well, we've had this uh, check brake pads thing on for a long time at this point. <laughs> and I noticed that it was getting worse and worse to the point where I was pulling down the driveway, and there was this loud screeching noise coming from the brakes. Clearly, there's metal on metal rubbing against each other somewhere. It was really loud, really obnoxious. You know what I did? I turned the volume up really high on my radio. <laughs> because I don't have to address something that I don't notice. I don't have to pay attention to something if I don't notice it. 
And over and over again, when I walk through my day, this is what I do. God, I want to know your will. I want to know your will. I want to know your will. But I don't want to notice any of the things that are happening every day as I walk through this world. I don't want to see that person who's struggling somehow in their life. I don't want to see or talk to that person who's really annoying at work. I don't want to talk to that person who's really lonely and is just going to tell me all their problems during the day. I don't want to notice those things, but I want to know your will down the road. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He had to open his eyes and notice what was right in front of him in order to take a step. And this morning, if you've come here and you're saying, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know where he wants me to serve. Let's open our eyes this morning. What are you noticing? What are you purposely ignoring? Where are there people in your life that you're saying, yeah, I don't think I'm going to talk to that person. Do you notice Jesus keeps talking to the unseen people of his time? They're the blind, the leper, the lame, the people who are outside society. He sees them and he goes and interacts with them. He's moved by compassion and he serves them. In fact, two blind men stand up on the side of the road at once and start yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus, it says, with compassion in his heart, goes over to them because he saw them. Then he asks this question, what can I do for you? And they say, Master, return our sight to us. And Jesus touches their eyes and they are healed and they're able to go and worship. He sees them. And you and I are called to see the unseen that are around us constantly. You are called to move and you're called to see them and serve them. Now that could be happening right here in this church. People that you might just walk past with a quick hello. You'll see them in the time of fellowship right after service. You might see them in the front. You might talk to them quickly. But imagine you stopped for a minute and asked them some questions. Imagine you opened up your heart to them and they opened up their heart to you and we started to see each other's problems. We started to see each other's lives and see each other's suffering. It is changing. It is transformative when we see each other. In fact, there was a point in Scripture in Acts chapter 4 where Philip, this disciple of Jesus, is going along his way and an angel says to him, just go down this road. The angel never tells him what to do when he goes down the road, who he will see. He just says, go down this road. And Philip starts walking. And as he's walking, he's moving. But as he moves, he sees this Ethiopian financial minister sitting in a chariot with an open scroll. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip sees him and walks over to him. Do you see compassion moving and seeing? He walks over to him and he asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the question opens up an interaction that ultimately leads to baptism. This is what we're called to do. We're called to move, we're called to see, and we're called to ask questions. Questions of those around us, questions in our lives, questions among us to open up and care for each other and have compassion on one another wherever we can. Now compassion, it moves, compassion sees and I believe compassion reaches as well. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched them. You see, godly compassion comes with this notion that I will give you what I have. Now the danger in seeing God's will as this distant, undiscernible thing is that you are unaware of what you have right now. 
You're unaware of what God is doing and preparing in your life right now to get you more prepared for today, not for 10 years from now. And as Jesus moves and sees, he's opening up his hand and giving what he has. In fact, there's this passage of scripture where there's a a boy who brings his lunch of five loaves and two fish, and Jesus multiplies it to feed 5,000. The boy had to be willing to give what he had in his hand in order for Jesus to multiply it and make it something great. We've got to hand it over to him. We've got to see what we have and then open our hands and give it. So what do you have? Maybe you have time right now. And some of you are saying, I have no time. But maybe you have some time available that you can give. Maybe you have a skill. I cook really well. I'm really good at listening. And so I can give that because I have that. I have a car that I can use to drive or serve people. I have knowledge about a specific thing or knowledge about medicine or knowledge about cars or knowledge about something that I can use to serve someone else. I can fix things. I have skills with graphics or with video. I have skills that I now have that I can give. I have the skill to teach people. I have the skill to preach. I have the skill to play an instrument. I can visit with people because that's something that I have the ability to do. I have it, so I'll give it. I have skills in organizing. I have skills in giving or I'm generous to other people. I'm skilled or gifted in planning. These are things I have. But here's the problem. When we move through life and when we see needs, we keep our hands like this because we'd rather not open them and actually reach out to someone. And this morning, if you've come here seeking God's will for your life, I remind you that your life, your experiences, your skills have uniquely prepared you to reach someone that is not being reached. But it requires us to open our hands. It requires us to open our eyes. It requires us to step forward in faith. Here at Mount Hope, we have a compassion ministry that you may have heard about before. A ministry, Lifelong, is here, and you can always ask her more about this compassion ministry. We support amazing, amazing organizations that reach so many different unseen audiences. Amira House is, a, is, a, uh, is a, uh, an organization that reaches out to women and victims of human trafficking. And we know what they do is phenomenally successful and phenomenally powerful. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're maybe thinking, look, I'm not comfortable giving to a church at this point, that's fine. But if you want to give to a ministry that's reaching people, we encourage you to use the Compassion Ministry to reach some of these organizations that you can give toward. They're reaching these women who are victims of sex trafficking and human trafficking and loving them to the Lord. Do you know what Amira's phrasing is or Amira's, uh, the, the slogan that they use? It says, this one person in front of me and then the next person and then the next person and then the next person. Amira doesn't say, I'm going to solve or we're going to solve human trafficking. They don't say we're going to change the world. Here's what they say. We're going to change the world that we move in, the world that we see around us, and the world that we can reach with our hands. Do you see the difference there? It's the same way Jesus exemplified service. I will move, I will see, I will reach. And Amira House says, I will move and I will see the world around me. There are these women who are coming through terrible situations. We will move to them. We will see them. We will reach out to them. It's this woman in front of me and then the next one and then the next one and the next one after that. What if we started doing that? 
I talk to my students regularly, and something I notice among college students today more than ever before, there is a passion and a desire to change the world. But do you know what that also leads toward? Lofty goals that never happen. Intention versus action. What if you and I could do it the way Jesus did it? Jesus knew he would change the world. But he started by changing the life of one Samaritan woman. One blind man. Ten lepers. It was moving through the world and reaching those he could reach first. He had a long-term strategy with 12 disciples, but he had a short-term strategy every day with the people that he interacted with. He moved, he saw, he reached, and he did it. This morning, if you're listening to me, you're probably thinking, okay, what do I do first? One of the things I would encourage you to do is not to see God's will as undiscernible, as distant. Start by looking at today. What is God's plan for me today? Where my burden, where opportunity, where gifting, and where God's voice meet together, where is there an opportunity or a burden or a gifting right there that can be used? I once heard it put like this. Sometimes we come to Christ with this lofty imagination of what he can do with us. And we say, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. Here's how we picture it. It's almost like picturing you have $1,000 in your bank account and you empty out the $1,000 and you say, Jesus, here you go, $1,000, I give it all to you. Here's what I think Jesus does. He takes the $1,000, turns around and changes it for a bucket of 4,000 quarters. And he hands it back to us. And he says, now move in the world you move in. See the world that you're in. Reach out one quarter at a time. Just go give out those quarters instead. Instead of seeing a lofty plan 25 years into the future, start right now. That woman that you sit next to at work, when you go and give her a, a buy her a cup of coffee and listen to her problems, that's a quarter. That person, that young boy or young girl that's in our church right now and you're guiding them through learning junior Bible quiz questions, that is a quarter that you're dropping off to bless them and lead them closer to God. He's saying, go and use the quarters I've given you. D.L. Moody, who's a famous preacher from the 1800s, he said it like this. He wrote this in his Bible and I find it so interesting. He wrote, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. He actually wrote this in the book of Isaiah, right on the side of his Bible. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, Whom will I, whom will I send? Where, where God speaks out, who will go for us and whom will I send? D.L. Moody wrote these words right next to that passage. He's saying, I am one. And what I ought to do, I will do by the grace of God. Romans chapter 8 says like this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Move, see, and reach. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me as we think through what the Holy Spirit is saying to each of us as we close out this sermon series. We've been talking a lot about discovering God's will. 
And for many of us, it's something that's so far in the future that we deceive ourselves into believing that it's built on intention, not action. But if you watch Jesus, every day he was accomplishing the will of his Father. He was moving from town to town. He was caring for others and loving others and preaching the good news. He was constantly moving the Father's will with him as he went. And this morning, you and I have an opportunity to stop for a minute and seek the Lord's will when it comes to today. Lord, where do you call me to have compassion? Is there a person in my life right now that needs compassion? I encourage you, even as you ask this question of the Holy Spirit, to be open to seeing that face or that name that's coming to you right now, that person in your life that requires compassion, not just for the sake of doing good. There is nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in our beliefs that we believe that doing good will get me to heaven. But we believe that God who saves us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He calls us to live the same way he lived. He came as a servant, he died as a servant, and he calls you and me to die to ourselves and live as servants on this earth, to give up of our time, our treasures, and to give up of all that we have to say, Lord, I will serve you by having compassion on those around me. I encourage you even right now to think of that name, that person that's coming to your mind and begin to pray for them and ask the Lord, God, what is it that I can do to reach out to that person this week? Is there a message I can send, a phone call I can start with? Is there a gift that I can put together? Is there something I can do to have compassion on the ones that you've called me to have compassion on? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, God, and we recognize that so often seeking your will is just an excuse to delay action. And God, this morning we come before you and we ask for the ability to see the opportunities that you are calling us to every day. Opportunities right here at Mount Hope maybe, opportunities to serve in various ministry areas, opportunities to give, opportunities to love, opportunities to lead someone closer to you. Lord, open our eyes to see those things, to notice the people around us. Move us in the directions you have called us to. Move our spirits to serve you, Lord God. Move us toward compassion, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be reminded, God, that you are not just a God who works 20, 30 years in the future. You work even right now in our lives. Lord, work through us. Speak to us even now. God, I praise you for what you have already done. I thank you for the compassion that we received on the cross of Calvary. And this morning, let it be the fuel that drives the compassion we deliver to others. We give you all the worship, all the glory and honor belong to you. Our lives belong to you. Give us the ability to drop one quarter at a time to serve you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's rise to our feet this morning, church. Let's worship the Lord together as we think about these words.